Welcome, all you blokes and chillers, to the Sport Shack from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sport Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time and some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events, music and film, and lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Ugambe people, past and present, the traditional custodians of this land, of the Gold Coast, we thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sports Shack. I hope you're well and have had a great sporting week. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Glenn's had an interesting week. Yeah, yeah, yeah the old saying about um, don't like Mondays or... Yeah, going back to work on Mondays, but I'm now calling Saturday suck Saturday. Because <laughs> I had a really good wake up. Wake up until I got out of bed this morning. Everything I've bloody touched. I've yeah. still got piles of dishes in the place. And yeah, and yeah just everything I've done has gone <laughs> ass up. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's good, good slapping. Oh, like, mate. Yeah, good, good meaty slapping. I got a pile of dishes at my place too, mate. Yeah. It's like a bomb zone. Yeah, but I had a bit of fun yesterday. Yeah, going out because yeah, as you know, I've got the cerebral palsy. Yeah, and, and people think I'm yeah had a few under the belt. So there's Victorians. We're in front of me, came to the first set of traffic lights. Mm. They saw me, then they moved their car forward, so I crept it further, <laughs> a little bit more, and then, yeah, we d- took off. Yeah. And every time I yeah, got to the next set of traffic lights, um, yeah, stop, same thing. He looked back at me, and I moved forward, then he turned to who was having the passenger seat and was saying something. Yeah. So then I got to the traffic, we got to the traffic lights just after Coles there. And they had the first car at the front. So I did the same thing. I crept up right behind them to an him. And he's, he's, you know, talking to the person, the passenger seat. Yeah. Looks like a good old whinge. Really? Yeah. Oh. And, you know, so I go and do a little bit. I go out to um just no idea, right? I go up to the Smith Collective, going up Olsen Avenue, and as I go into there, the police are behind me, yeah, following me, and yeah, we then pass through the Gold Coast Hospital, they're following me, mm. <laughs> they're they're following um, me into the Smith Collective, fair income, and st- yeah, part that's in front of me, yeah. So I go to the car and. And um, just knocked on the window. Oh, get out of like that. And they sort of, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Started the car and took off again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel up in the sign of the car. Yeah. Disabled, not drunk. Have you got disability sticker? Yeah. Okay. But they go, yeah, yeah. That goes on the, yeah. on the front of the They're car. They're not easy to get, are they? Nah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. But, but the thing that annoys me is there's people that get a bit elderly. When they take out their elderly parents, mm. but then they go and use it themselves. Yeah, to park in the spots. Yeah, they, they abuse it. That's right. Yeah, mm. it's a three hundred and fifty dollar fine, but don't seem to get. Yeah, don't get to see in trouble. So yeah, yeah. I'll um, 
Now, that's an interesting sort of topic you brought up there. Uh, yeah, because I'm going to talk about we've had all sorts of issues with inclusion and, you know, discrimination this week, haven't we, in the uh, news? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go into. Yeah. Yeah, the NRL uh, have had a very, very interesting week. <laughs> Those seven manly players oh, refused to wear Unbelievable. the, Unbelievable. the, the jersey. Or well, just, you know, like with what's happened with what you were saying just then. Yeah. And, you know, these seven NRL players yeah. for manly. Yeah. I was making worldwide news. Yeah, but... but just an embarrassment. Yeah. Like, fair income. I can't believe... This sort of stuff exists in yeah. our society today. Yeah, like, but it, it, even on the uh, what on the Jane McGrath day and, mm. the, and the third day of the the test in Sydney. Yeah, and the players wear pink. Yeah, and stuff like that, and you don't see exactly. them com- complaining. Yeah, and these manly players, oh, they've you know they probably got sponsorship. Gambling and betting sponsorship on their bloody jerseys. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah, they'll go out there for that. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's what? homophobia through religion. Yeah, you know, have you heard of a swimmer called James James Magnuson? He's from Port Macquarie. Yeah, yeah, he um got a oh, nearly won a gold medal at the yeah. Olympics. Yeah, ten years ago. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's he's on a sports talk show. Yeah, now in Sydney, and yeah, yeah, he was very outspoken about it all. Yeah, and uh, yeah, a lot of what he said was really good. You know, really made sense. And yeah, yeah, it's just disgusting. And you know, especially yeah. these bloody manly players. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's that like Ian Roberts. You know, for the the courage for him to come out. Yeah, because he was one of the first real yeah. open. Yeah, you know, came yeah. out on. National live TV on the footy show and yeah. said that he was gay and that took yeah. so much courage. Yeah. And, you know, he's like a manly legend, like yeah. a rugby league legend. Yeah. And, you know, gosh, unbelievable. But it also sets a precedence that mm. you know, other people do, other teams will do, other players yeah. will do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah that the, the come down to, um, that the, the bloody players will set the rules. Mm. I'm not wearing that. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Yeah, exactly. Frankly, the, the man of the team, coach or owners, should let the boys go right out, good boys. Mm. There's that effing door. That's all right. Out you go. Yeah. You know, there would certainly be seven other players that would be keen enough to step into the boots. Mm. And that is. There's discrimination in the game for sure, but yeah. Because the the number one referee, right, was um, Matt Chicken, yeah, a really good referee, by far the best referee in the NRL, yeah. And he he quit at the end of last year, yeah. He just said because he was you know came out as gay, yeah. And yeah, you know, yeah. And now we've got this bloody Ashley Klein, yeah. Who you know, they say he's the number one referee in the game. Yeah. And last Sunday, he made the worst decision yeah. in the history of the game. Because yeah. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, look, I'll turn the the telly on, you know, just before the news, and I'll watch the end of the footy. And yeah. It was a really close game. Like, yeah. it was West Tigers playing the Cowboys. Yeah. North Queensland Cowboys. And, 
Yeah, and, and the Tigers scored two quick tries at the end and hit the front and yeah. won, you know, just before the bell. Yeah. And so they like leading by um, one point. Yeah. I think it was 25-24 or something. 20. Yeah. Yeah. So they've, there's one second on the clock, yeah. <laughs> right? One second. Yeah. So, yeah, North Queensland have kicked off. Yeah. And um, the ball's gone up in the air. Yeah. And one of the cowboy players, Cole Felt, he's, well, he's done it on purpose. Yeah. He's deliberately taken out this yeah. Tigers player. Yeah. And the referee's gone to the bunker. Yeah. You know, and the siren's gone. Yeah. And guess he's in the bunker. Yeah. Ashley Klein. Yeah. And he makes an absolute howler. Yeah. And he awarded a penalty. Yeah. And Tigers kicked the penalty goal and won. Yeah. And it was the worst decision. Yeah. Like I've ever seen. Like yeah. I've been watching rugby league oh, well over 40 years. Yeah. And that was just, it was robbery. Absolute robbery. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just cannot believe. And, yeah. and and then this Cole felt he got up with a big smile on his face. Yeah. Yeah. The Cowboys player had his back to him, so he's run straight into him. Yeah. The Tigers player. Yeah. Taking him out. Yeah. And I was a penalty for an obstruction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they're built... The, I believe the the players of the game <laughs> itself yeah. has built itself up to be oh, yeah you know, big manly game and yeah you know, we're all tough and stuff like that yeah and I, yeah they're getting too much money exactly yeah you know, they got to come back to reality and it's just oh, paralysis by analysis now like they're just yeah. putting in all these new rules and yeah. you know you get penalised for this penalised for that. Yeah, well, oh. yeah, well, I won't even go out and play. It looks like rain. Yeah. But back in the bloody 70s and 80s, oh, if yeah. it's pissing down rain, yeah. you still get out there. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you slide around the mud and break a bloody arm, you still get out there and you still keep going. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they were bloody worse. Oh. And that was in, you know, they got the plan their weekend and they were doing the job as well. Yeah. Yeah, like they, they, yeah these. Bloody players uh, got big heads and bloody wrapped in bubble wrap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and oh, yeah, we don't want to play if we've got like a, these colours on our jersey. Like, yeah. like, what's the big deal? Yeah. You know, I understand they've got their religious beliefs and a fair income. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but, but even, yeah, but it, okay, if you take religion into it. Yeah. Yeah, what religion says compared to what science says. Mm. What religion says over 2,000 years ago is totally a lot of... Oh, you know, exactly. Parts of it have been proven wrong. Yeah. You know, by a sci- you know, scientist. Yep. Yeah, you know, being being gay is not a choice. Mm. You created that way. Exactly. And in religion, they say, we created it in... God's image. Yeah. Well, if you're gay, that's God's image as well. Yeah. Yeah, but they've bloody got um, their blinkers on. Yeah. And just, yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, a, it's a lot like the, these days, they'll find any tiny bit of information mm. to back up their bloody story 
and they were blown out of the water. Well, they've cost their team a crucial victory because that, that game the other night, you know, that was a must win yeah. for them to make the finals. Yeah. So they're selfish, yeah. you know, deciding not to play. Yeah. And it was amazing, you know, they didn't get thrashed. Like they put in a quite a, a brave performance. Only got beaten by about ten points. Yeah, you know, yeah. Most of the side are reserve graders. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's time they started to, mm. yeah, you know, but yeah, you know, let the bloody the coach is taking some of the fall and you know being sacked and stuff like that. Yeah, well, they yeah, should just be able to coach you, be able to get out the team. Mm. Grab somebody that's scruffing their neck is over, but we throw him off and go and get someone yeah. out of the bed in the reserve and go, right here, uh, you fill his spot. Just a pack of silks. But I'll, I'll give you one winner, and that's Manly coach Des Hasler, because at yeah. least he had the guts to come mm. out, you know, when the uh, the CEO wasn't sighted off nobbies, yeah. you know. Didn't say boo all the uh, the management. Yeah. He had the guts to come out, yeah. face the media, apologise for what had happened. Yeah, you know. Apparently, their owner he's over in bloody New York. Yeah, he wouldn't know what's bloody going on. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, no, yeah. they don't need to bloody wake up to themselves. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, you know, they're role models for younger people that want to play rugby league. Mm. If they're seeing their if the younger people have seen their role models acting like total wankers, you know, like this, yeah, well, it's just going to set a precedent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can become a f- football and become a, mm. a tosser as well. Become a bonehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, one of my losers is the Gold Coast Titans because they've lost eight yeah. games in a row. Yeah, and their former captain Kevin Proctor. Look, I don't know what it is. Whenever I go on the coast, basically, I see this guy. Like yeah. I saw him at the airport <laughs> last month. He was in the security line in front of me. Yeah. I was in a cafe once, and he was there in front of me. <laughs> like, <laughs> whenever I go get a massage at at, at the uh, Parkwood there, the yeah. you know, where the Titans play, he's always there. Yeah, yeah. but he, um, yeah, did you see that at half time? Yeah. Nah. Yeah, he's gone into the toilet and he's smoking a vape, yeah. right? And uh, putting it on social media for the world to see. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the Titans sucked him straight away. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, the, like they've got, um, you're not allowed the vape at the ground that they were playing at. Yeah. Uh, and he got, yeah, yeah, sort of. Like, how could you be that stupid? I reckon he just did it on purpose to get, maybe get out of his contract or he just oh, wasn't happy there. Yeah, just to show he's got, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm beyond the rules. Oh. Yeah, I can do this because I'm the head tosser. Well, they're just going to turn so many people away from the game, you know. Like, I, I don't follow it like I used to. Yeah. I prefer to do what I did two weeks ago, go yeah. down the road, watch Queensland Cup. Yeah, because you know, they're the they're the real battlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. give it a go. Yeah, because they've they've actually paid all year round now. Yeah, and I think back in the seventies and early parts of the eighties, mm. where they had to work. Exactly. Yeah, the season was over. You didn't get paid. 
Hey. You have to find your work full time and th- th- then as it got close to next season, start training and working. Yeah. And now they can, yeah, they get paid too much. Oh, shit, let's go mm. party on. Yeah, you've got too much free time. Yeah. Way too much free time and, yeah, yeah like, um, nah, it's just... Yeah, rather, rather, good, rather go and watch a good local match. Yeah, where they're, not, where they're playing for the mm. for the the spirit of playing the sport, yeah, not for the bloody the money. I think those have been speaking about. Oh, can't think of her name, but she's a fairly popular singer. Yeah, and she makes her, the money she makes from singing is a smallest proportion of her income compared to yeah, you know, like the perfume. The perfume she's signature to and stuff like that. Oh, it's Katy Perry, or oh well, yeah, well, mm. I know Katy Perry, Katy Perry, Katy Perry got involved with a, mm. another woman's product. With yeah, she's in North Queensland at the moment. Yeah, because she's married to that Orlando Bloom, and he's in a yeah, he's they're up, he's in a movie up there. Yeah, they're filming. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, winner of the week, England batsman, I've never heard of this bloke, Sam Northeast. <laughs> he got, get ready for this, in a county championship match, playing for Glamorgan versus Leicestershire. He scored 410, not out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's um. the highest score in a first-class game this century. Right? Um. So he's up there with Bradman and Lara. They're some of the only other ones that have scored quadruple hundreds. I remember when Brian Lara... Yeah, but has anyone ever got that high? Yeah, well, Brian Lara, he got um, 500 once. Yeah. Yeah, playing county cricket. That was um, in Durham. Yeah. Yeah, but he, he he scored the only quadruple test century. Yeah. yeah, that was against England. Yeah. Yeah, he got about, oh, I was in Antigua, because he, he got the previous highest score, like he broke, so that that was at the Ant- old Antigua Recreation Ground. Yeah. I went there, watched the Aussies play there, oh, that was in 1999. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just normally, oh, it's just a batsman's paradise, yeah. you know. <laughs> so he, yeah. he got 380 something. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then later in his career, he got that um, yeah. quadruple hundred, yeah. both against England. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. just went berserk. Yeah. No, yeah. I forgot to mention, I, I went to the osteopath this week about me back. Oh, yep. Came out 15, 15 needles later. Really? Yeah. He said, yeah, he, said he, he, had, he had the same lady come in this morning. Yeah. Was in the wheelchair in so much pain. And she did. He gave her the same treatment, and she walked out. And people were in the waiting room going, "How did that happen?" Jeez. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so you had some acupuncture. So. Uh, no, it was just like small doses of Botox. Oh, okay. Into the into yeah. the um, just below the surface. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, I used to get needles in me at the physio and yeah. just to get rid of spasm and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I was in that much pain, I got stuck into the rum. Oh, really? On Thursday night. <laughs> well, I've got it now because I just bloody wanted to have something because everything's gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you have this plan of, oh, yeah, it's a weekend. I'll get this and I'll get that down. <laughs> then by the time the money, Monday comes, you go, oh, shit. I still haven't got half the shit done. No, no. Yeah. What to do on the weekend? You got your Jim Beam. I've got my yeah. green tea double shot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The, the, yeah, there was a post on the Facebook about a study yeah. from England saying that one beer a day causes brain damage. I thought, yeah, yeah. Watch, watching the blood in years gives you more brain oh, damage. Exactly. Cause, yeah. yeah, some of them bring up, but realistically, they're just dragging up, make up stories. Um,. Yeah, because be one study came out saying, you know, a glass of wine is good for you every night. Then another study comes out with the yeah. opposite, and you sort of, well, f- yeah. you know, three or four cups of coffee a day is good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they. But but yeah, also these bloody people, the anti-electric cars, are showing a, a um. A, a um a coal train going to the deliver coal saying oh here's another fuel of electric vehicles yeah. fuel for electric vehicles <laughs> well buddy um Mercedes are bringing out this car that can do a thousand kilometres on one full charge fair income so you got solar in your home you're charging it like yeah. If I put solar, if I, say if I had one of them, I had solar on the roof, charges up, I could drive down to mum's place and back. Back, yeah. On oh that God. one charge yeah. for nothing instead of, yeah, you know, like to go, before the price of fuel it is now, it used to yeah. cost me about 60 bucks each way. Gosh. Now it's, you know, it's going to be costing me about like 100 each way. Yeah, it's those trips on the motorway that yeah. really use it up. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but, but so yeah, people. Yeah, you think I need to make more electric cars? <laughs> yeah. just well, 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 if you look around, they're coming up every like we're like oh, hi Hyundai. Yeah, I saw one this week. Mm. Yeah, they're coming up more and more, and yeah, technology. Is improving, yeah. And the power stations don't want to be bloody paying for the high price of coal, so they're producing that. Look, they're lowering their output, yeah, to raise the price. Yeah, but like, yeah, I don't understand the thinking of people that they. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, like I'll repost it. But think back when, um. Fuel cars came out. Yeah. They could, you know, you'd be lucky to do 20, 30 k's mm. on a small tank. Yeah. And there wasn't a bloody petrol station all the way up the east coast. Yeah. So you only barely use them around town anyway. Mm. Yeah. 
But yeah, it, yeah, it's like these. The, yeah, each each model that comes out, the the, the advancement in electric in electric cars, you know, like the pickup that they got. Gee, thousand k's on one charge, like yeah. <laughs> so. Have you looked inside inside them? They got those bloody like TV screens on yeah. their dash. Well, when when Toyota brought up their first um. The Prius, the first one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they came and showed it at um at um at the conference I was at, yeah, you know, to do with renewable energy and that. And I was there with a couple of mates and um one of them was he was ex Australian rally championship. Mm. And we were talking to the head salesman for Prius. And he, yeah, he was talking about that. they um <laughs> they want to you know see how I've just had one go past <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they want to see they want to see how that would be like in a rally car yeah so we're at Coffs Harbour so the guy goes let's jump in so James gets behind the wheel of the rally car driver we go out in the bush yeah, in in the forestry out behind. Out behind um, Coffs Harbour, yeah, and he's ripping it through through the trails and all that. Oh, okay. And it's got the display, yeah, of when it's using petrol and when it's using electric. All oh, right. And it used electric most of the time. Gee, but it bloody handled so well and just took off. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And. <laughs> James came back and we were, we were, you know, we got back to the, the conference. We were having the conference. We all got out. Then the guy up and tried he sort of just stayed in the car, just trying to come back down <laughs> because he'd never been on a road like that. And we'd just get out of the car and just talking. Yeah, because we'd all grown up in the country and. Yeah, yeah I mean, just doing things up in, in a yeah. leisurely pace. Yeah, 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 just like our first cars. Yeah, man, it cost a hundred dollars or so. We used to yeah. drive them for the forestry. <laughs> if we if we missed the turn, we'd hit a tree, but push it back out and yeah. keep going. Oh God! Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll look at some sports news from around the globe now. So Jonas Vingard. He was the winner of this year's Tour de France. He's a Danish rider, and it's his first victory in the 109th edition of the race. Gosh, didn't realise it was going that that long. Yeah. It's a long time. And the 22nd Commonwealth Games have begun in Birmingham, England. Mm. Yeah, did you watch any of that so far, Glenn? No, no. Yeah, I saw bits and pieces of it on the last night. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Drop in the ocean compared to the Olympics, you know. You've got um, swimmers from these tiny nations you barely heard of. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, it's it, still yeah. good. Yeah, I'm, I enjoy Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Uh, another slap. Another. <coughs> another slap. I'd like to give. Is those people that complain about, and you know, like our new prime minister that went off mm. to. Talk to other world leaders. Yeah. Oh, you should have been back here with the floods. Yeah. The Bali president of Russia is pissed off and he's gone off to 
have a good time with other world leaders when they started the war. Yeah. I thought, yeah. you don't hear anyone complaining about that, do you? That's right. Oh, he's protected species, that bloke. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just need someone to take him out. <laughs> the better the whole world will be a better place. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, so no, so crickets. Yeah, back at back at the games for the first time in years. So um, yeah, but it's just good seeing some of those sports. You know, that like lawn bowls and yeah. <laughs> squash and yeah, 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 that don't get much much of a profile. Yeah. yeah. Um, what form of cricket? Oh, it's just the women's uh, 2020. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So what, what happens, um, yeah, when they had it years ago at Kuala Lumpur, yeah. it was a 50-over competition then, it was for the men. Yeah. Yeah, so the West Indies, yeah. they don't play as the West Indies, they play as, you know, Barbados and yeah. uh, Jamaica and yeah. Guyana, you know, they play as their independent countries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you got <laughs> places like Isle of Wight and Isle of Man. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, interesting seeing some of them swim last night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um Yeah, so England, they thumped Sweden four nil in the women's Euro semi final. And they'll face Germany in the final at Wembley on Sunday, yeah, tomorrow. And get ready for this. Muhammad Ali's Rumble in the Jungle belt was bought for $6.18 million American. Uh, yeah, that, yeah I've, I've Bless got my a, soul. I've got to change my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> if I knew that was being up, up, up for grabs, I would have. I would have gone for it. <laughs> yeah. I wish, yeah. Put him on a slice of that. Yeah. Oh. And Lewis Hamilton, he said he lost around three kilograms during the French Formula One Grand Prix uh, after his drink bottle. After was, he said there was a drink bottle malfunction that caused him difficulty with rehydrating. Uh, <laughs> uh, That's a new one. Yeah. So this week we're going to talk about sports people and teams who have often been the bridesmaids in sport. Then finally found victory, and they breathed a big sigh of relief and got the monkey off their back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah do you know where that saying came from, the monkey off your back? No. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I'll have to look. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I think it might come from Michael Jackson. Remember, you had that monkey that used to be yeah. his best friend. What was it called? Yeah. Bubbles or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and he used but, to take it to the Grammys with him every year. But, but at least having a name Bubbles is not is better than having a kid named Blanket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the one year he didn't go to the uh, Grammys with um, Bubbles, he, he cleaned up with all these awards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hang on, uh, where does the saying come from? Let's have a look quickly. Get the monkey off your back. Yeah, monkey off your back. Oh, oh there's been a lot of them. Monkey. Oh, that, that show, Monkey Magic. Yeah, I saw that the other day. Yeah. That old t- Japanese TV show. Yeah. yeah, monkey off your back meaning. Yeah, 
So it's to remove or solve a problem that has been difficult to get rid of or solve. Yeah. Yeah. So the origin, yeah, it came in the 1800s, meant to be angry. So uh, later, having a monkey on one's back came to mean having a terrible burden. And in the 1930s, the idiom was applied to drug drug addiction, particularly heroin. Yeah. Right. That's from, uh, what's it called? Grammarist.com. Yeah. Mm, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so w- when you think of sports people and teams who got the monkey off your back, what comes to your mind, Glenn? Oh, well, <laughs> everything's gone from my mind at the moment <laughs> after the day. Mm. Yeah, but just like the... Oh, well, it's happened in the past. This, oh, what's it drop there? <laughs> My phone's hit the ground like a sack of spuds. Yeah, yeah but, you know, like when, um, when the Australian cricket team are just, that they can't do anything right. And then, yeah, they, they do a turnaround mm. and they can't do a thing wrong, yeah. People, yeah. people just find for them the... Um, well, when they won the T20 last year, that was getting the monkey off their back. I didn't think of that because yeah. they'd never won it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like when they've had the tailenders turn up mm. and really um, pick up the pace. Yeah. yeah. That's my phone. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> but I'm not edging it. Yeah. Now, well, um, yeah, any other ones you can think of or mainly... Well, I'm hoping the Suns will get the monk off their back eventually. Because they seem to come out most years, you know, at the beginning of the season with, you know, flying colours look like they're going really well. Then the second half of the season, they just fall in a heap. Yeah, they're going well there for a while this season, but they've had some close losses. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's... um, yeah, no, that's, you know, Collingwood beat them on the bell. and yeah. uh, But no, yeah. what I think about with uh, sports people and teams who got the monkey off their back, well, first thing that comes to mind is the Australian hockey team, the Kookaburras, when they finally won that gold medal in Athens in 2004 after being, you know, the silver medalist so many times. And Parramatta, when they finally broke through in 1981 (laughs) (laughs) to win their first premiership after losing all those grand finals in the 70s and then they celebrated by burning down the grandstand at their (laughs) home ground, Cumberland Oval. (laughs) I think they did it a favour because it was the biggest dump of a ground. Yeah, Yeah, but they'll, they'll... Rebuilding, they were going to. That's when they built the old Parramatta Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, but oh gosh, it was a dump of a ground, that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and after that, they went on to win three premierships in a row. One thing I noticed with sporting athletes and that and teams who finally get that monkey off their back, they go on, a lot of them go on a uh, a winning spree. So, like Parramatta, they ended up winning three seasons, three. Premierships in a row after that, yeah. You know, after that, they finally got that breakthrough. And another one I think of is uh, Phil Mickelson when he won his first major at the 
2004 Masters, and then he's gone on to win many more. Like before that, you yeah. know, he was just runner up. Yeah. So many majors. And yeah. Yeah, and Goran Nifinisevic, when he finally won Wimbledon in 2001 as an unseeded player after yeah. being runner up several times in the 90s. And yeah. Yeah, and the New Zealand All Blacks in Rugby World Cup. So, yeah, they, they easily won the first World Cup held in 1987. Yeah. And, you know, the other World Cups after that, they're all, you know, red-hot favourites and all of them. Yeah. And, you know, oh, they'd have one bad game and they'd get knocked out in the semi-final and knocked out in the quarter-final. And, yeah, in 2011, they... When the World Cup was held in New Zealand, they held on and won, and that was the first time in years. Then they won again in 2015. And the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks in the NRL took them 50 years to break through and win their first premiership in 2016. Yeah. And, you know, there was always that joke, you know, <laughs> in relation to the former Prime Minister, Harold Holt. Yeah. yeah he died when he was dr- he drowned and... Well, he went missing, didn't he? He went yeah. swimming one day and he's, yeah, you know, Cronulla yeah. Yeah, leaving the torchlight on the, uh, the, the, you know, the light, the, um, what they call it? The, the light on. Yeah, the lighthouse on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like waiting for Cronulla to win a premiership. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, they lost grand finals in the 70s and 73 and 78. You know, 78, they lost a replay to Manly. They lost that Super League grand final in 97 and, mm. you know, they'd won all these minor premierships and uh, uh, produced some great players, you know, like Steve Rogers and Andrew Eddinghausen and Paul Gallen. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we'll do our quiz now. Okay. It's quiz time. Okay, so we've got five questions today. And they all relate to getting the monkey off, off the ones who got the monkey off their back. Uh, right, so question one. What is the name of the Danish tennis star who finally broke through to win her first Grand Slam title when she won the 2018 Australian Open? What is the name of the Danish tennis star who finally broke through to win her first Grand Slam title when she won the 2018 Australian Open? So it's pretty recent. Uh. And the thinking music. <laughs> and the answer is Caroline Wozniacki. Yeah. Right, question two. What is the name of the famous Spanish golfer who finally won his first major when he won the 2017 Masters in a playoff with Justin Rose? So what is the name of the famous Spanish golfer he finally won his first major when he won the 2017 Masters in a playoff with Justin Rose. And the answer is Sergio Garcia. Oh. Yeah, so when he came on the scene, he was like the European Tiger Woods. Yeah. And yeah, he just couldn't put it together in majors. Uh, yeah, finally break through after 20-odd years. Uh, yeah, right, third question. What American baseball team finally won the World Series in 2004 after an 86-year wait, ending the curse of the Bambino? Uh, 
So, what American baseball team finally won the World Series in 2004 after an 86-year wait ending the curse of the Bambino? And the answer is... The Boston Red Sox. Yeah, Boston Red Sox. I made a mistake last week in our episode. I... When I was talking about the curse of the Bambino, uh, yeah, it was, that was to do. Um, I said it was the Chicago Cubs. Uh, it was actually uh, the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, uh, so I'll give myself an uppercut for that. Okay. <laughs> right, we got a recent one. Another recent one. Uh, just happened last year. So, what is the name? This is question four. What is the name of the Aussie slalom canoeist who finally won her first Olympic gold medal? At the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Uh-huh. Right, so what is the name of the Aussie slalom canoeist who finally won her first Olympic gold at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics? Mm-hmm. And the answer is... Jessica Fox. That's right, Jessica is Fox. Ho- is she Fox? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, you know... Won all these world titles and yeah. was always getting silver medals and bronze medals and yeah. finally broke through to win that gold. Yeah. Yeah. Right, last question. So, question number five. What is the name of the soccer team who won the, their first A-League title in 2013 after three previous losses in grant finals? So, what is the name of the soccer team who won their first A-League title in 2013, after three previous losses in grant finals. It is the Central Coast Mariners. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, I've got a question here. Yeah. We talked about this you know, off air. You're a big Hollow Notes fan. Oh, I love them. So I thought I'm going to give you a quiz on to pick out which songs. Far away. Okay. Kiss on the list. <laughs> All right, no, no. It's you make my dreams come true. What I want, you Yep, that oh, yep. oh come on, any of Oh no, one. this one. Yeah, man eater. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a classical bass Oh, here she comes. Always got to the sound effects. From the H2O album. What year? 1982. That is... I can't go for that. Yeah. 1981. Okay. That's good, so I don't yep. play the answers. 
<laughs> oh, I thought you wanted me to give the answers at the end. No, no, uh, just, well, I, 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 I also did one showing the answers. You make my dreams. Man eater. I can't go for that. Yeah. What's your favourite Hall and Oates song? It's hard to tell. Yeah? Yeah, well, the, uh, because, you know, I like you know, the bassy sound. Mm. And I've got you know, bass guitars. You know, the, the, um, the man who is with that bass shift is a good one, but, yeah, there's just so many good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the classics, like. Yeah, yeah, from the eighties and yeah, 70s. private eyes. And yeah, yeah. And what they, yeah, and what they've also written for, for other people. They have, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They wrote um some of Crowded House's songs, didn't they? No, they, uh, they, they did. They collaborated, collaborated with, like the Flowers and Ice House. That's right. Yeah, on some of their songs. That's right. Especially uh, Electric Blue. Yeah. Um, John Oates wrote that with um, Ivor Davies. Mm. And when they finished, just before John flew back to the States, he said, if you don't record and publish this, I will. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I heard that story. Yeah. Yeah, but that was, that was like um, in England when, I forget who it was, wrote that song Physical. Oh, yeah, actually, Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, but the guy that wrote it actually approached it to Cliff Richard first. Yeah. And they said, oh, no, I won't sing that, yeah. <laughs> Mo- Moles again. Um, he thought it was a bit too racy. Wouldn't have been a bit appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't have been too good. Yeah so, yeah, so then when the, the, the person that wrote it approached Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Of course, she made an absolute s- smash it out of it. Oh, did she what? Yeah, yeah. she. Yep, she really smashed it. That was out. when um, aerobics really yeah. became big, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so on to our next topic. Come on. This week's who am I? Okay, so this week we got one of the. The real all-time greats in middle distance running. Okay. So, I was born in 1974 and I'm a former Moroccan middle distance runner who is considered one of the greatest athletes of all time. Now, according to Wikipedia, I'm the current world record holder of the 1,500 metres and the mile and I also hold indoor world records for the mile and the 1,500 metres, which I held until 2019. And I won the World Championship in the 1,500 metres six times, four consecutively in 1997, 99, 2001, 2003, and have won World Athlete of the Year three times. So he's, he's well retired now, this bloke. Yeah. So despite all of my accomplishments and heavy favouritism, I was unable to win Olympic gold. In the 1500 metres final at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics, I fell with 400 metres to go and finished 12th. At the Sydney 2000 Olympics, I finished second behind Kenya's Noah 
Now, I'll see if I can pronounce this right. Nagini. However, at the 2004 Olympics, I was successful with getting the monkey off my back when I finally won gold in the 1500 metres and broke down in tears. I then went on to win the 5,000 metres gold and became only the second man in 80 years to win the 1,500 metres and the 5,000 metres at the same Olympics after the flying fin by Pavo Numi in 1924. Now, I announced my retirement in 2006 and in 2014 I was inducted into the IAAF Hall of Fame. My name is... It's a tricky one this week. Yeah. There's no other part in the script that's going to give it away. No. Okay. (laughs) You've got to put your thinking caps on. Like, if you know your athletics, you'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll pick it up easy. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's a tricky one this week. Okay. So we'll be able to answer at the end of the podcast. Hmm. So now we're on to... Where are they now? Okay, so this week we're going to go to the world of speed skating. Speed? Yeah, speed skating this oh, week. Is it speed? <laughs> What's speed skating? So this is this speed skating is a bit different to the one that Stephen Bradbury did. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, you know, the one that he was in, it's around that short track. Yeah. Yeah, this is more like a, you know, 200 metres, like a velvet, you know. Like an athletics track, not quite as round, but uh, yeah, like it's different shape of track. Yeah, uh, they have more of a longer stroke. Yeah, in their um, yeah, in this type of speed so it's skating, more, more pace than speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with speed uh, skating, they've got more corners. This one's more uh, going down the straight, and uh, yeah, not as many turns. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk about. Dan Jansen. Yeah. So his nickname, he's got a few nicknames, but he was nicknamed the Heartbreak Kid. Yeah, but it's a very, very inspirational story. And, uh, yeah, had a lot of pleasure researching this. And Yeah, yeah, so he was born in Wisconsin in USA in 1965, and he's a retired American speed skater and multiple world champion. He won the sprint gold in the World Championships in 1988 and 1994. Now, between 1992 and 1994, Jansen was the only skater to break 36 seconds for the 500 metres. Now, this was a feat he accomplished four times. Now, over the course of his career, Jansen set eight world records in the 500 metres, the 1,000 metres and in the sprint combination. Um, this bloke, he just dominated the sport for years. Yeah. You know, just an all-time great. Yeah. But when it came to the Olympics, he was yeah. just jinxed. He was just always had bad luck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So despite all of his accomplishments, Jensen was known for having what appeared to be a jinx when he appeared at the Olympic Games and was unable to pick up an Olympic medal in three Winter Olympics over the course of ten years. Now, Jansen fought back from family tragedy to become a champion. He was the youngest of nine children from a close Catholic family. And according to Angus Phillips from the Washington Post, Jansen was inspired by his sister Jane and took up speed skating while growing up. 
Now, he set a junior world record in the 500 metres at 16 years of age. And at his first Winter Olympics in 1984 at Sarajevo, he finished 16th in the 1,000 metres and the 4th in the 500 metres. That's mentioned in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. So, yeah, apparently he was just stoked when he came fourth because he just wasn't expecting to get that close to getting it, you know. So, um, yeah, the world was just at his feet, you know, because he was still very young and... Yeah, so at the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary, Jansen was the red-hot favourite for the speed skating final. Uh. Now, now, on the morning of the race, Jansen received a phone call from home from his family who informed him that they were in hospital with his sister Jane, who was extremely ill with leukaemia. Uh. She was only 27 years of age. Now, they informed him that Jane's condition had very much deteriorated and that he needed to say goodbye. Now, Jansen was left with a decision. Should he skate or should he come home and be with his family? Now, he discussed the situation with his family and they agreed that Dan Jansen should compete because they believe this is what his sister would have liked and that she would have been devastated if he pulled out. She was the one who inspired him to start skating. Apparently there's a movie made about him and I wouldn't mind seeing it. Yeah. I love these, you know, inspiring sport movies. Yeah. Uh, Jansen's race was a few hours later and he was stricken with grief, understandably, when he found out a short time later his sister had passed away. Now, when interviewed by Simon Watts from the BBC World Service on the podcast Sporting Witness, yeah. Jansen reported that he was in no state to race and that he had no stability in his legs. His skates felt unnatural and he made a false start. Now, during the race, Jansen stopped and fell on the first turn, and he was left sitting on the ice looking totally bewildered. Uh. Now, four days later, Jansen competed in the 1,000 metres and was again the heavy favourite. He began the race well with record-breaking speed. However, unfortunately, he fell again with around 200 metres to go. Now, Jansen left the Olympics with no medals, However, was a recipient of the US Olympic Spirit Award for his efforts. Uh. Now, with the love and support of his family, Jansen fought his way back. Now, four years later, in the Albertville Winter Olympics in 1992, he finished fourth in the 500 metres and 25th in the Uh. 1,000 metres and again failed to pick up any medals. In 1993, Jansen set another world record in the 500 metres and going into the 1994 Winter Olympics in Lillehammer, he was once again the big favourite to win gold and was the fastest man in the world on skates. Uh. Now, this would be Jansen's final opportunity to win win Olympic gold. So this is like his fifth Olympics. Uh. Yeah, so this would be his last chance. And he... Now had a family of his own, which included a baby daughter called Jane, named after his sister. Now in the 500 metres, he finished eighth, a result Jansen was disappointed with. And he said, I I was almost reserved, he said, quote, I was almost reserved to the fact that this just wasn't meant to be, end of quote. And, you know, but he was happy, you know, yeah, he was saying, like, you know, because I does I didn't win any Olympic medals, uh, 
um, doesn't mean I was a failure, you know. I won heaps of world championships and... Yeah, he's quite a few world records. Oh, yeah, world records galore and... Yeah. Yeah, and he, at this stage, you know, he just thought, no, just wasn't meant to be. So he had one race left. <laughs> yeah. Right, so this, Jensen's last chance of winning Olympic gold was in the 1,000 metres, which wasn't his favourite distance. Now, in preparation for this event, he was coached by... Peter Mueller, and won the gold medal in this... Well, this Peter uh, Mueller, he won the gold medal in this event in 1976. Now, on the eve of the race, according to Simon Watts, Jansen received an unexpected morale boost from one of his heroes. Yeah. Have you heard of this bloke? Singer singer Jimmy Buffett. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Yeah. So he was going through all his faxes the night before, you know, because this is what happens when... Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games, you yeah. know. Yeah, the athletes get a lot of, you know, well, it's probably all emails now, but back in those yeah. days it was all faxes. Yeah. Know, good, you know, best, yeah. yeah, yeah, good luck faxes. And, yeah. But he got one from singer Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Yeah. He sent him a fax which said, blow the volcano, <laughs> in regards to his song, Volcano. Yeah. Now, Jansen reported that this helped... Fire him up. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of him, Jimmy Buffett. I just can't picture what he looks like. Yeah. I think he's like American country singer, is he? Yeah, not Mm. 100% sure. Yeah. So in the 1,000 metres, Jansen got off to a good start and exploded like a volcano towards the end of the race to go on and win gold. Now, he slipped on the second last turn. However, this time he stayed calm. And didn't panic, and he held it together and broke the world record proce- in the process. Now, the Norwegian crowd went wild in jubilation as they all knew about Jansen's story. Now, after the race, he did a lap of honour and skated over to his family and held his daughter Jane. Now, people uh, threw flowers onto the ice, uh, and Jansen was worried. He was worried about slipping over. Going base over apex and <laughs> over the flowers while holding his daughter. Uh. Now Jensen had finally got the monkey off his back, and he was most commonly known beforehand as the guy who fell over the day his sister died. And Jensen was getting tired of people feeling sorry for him. Uh. He was now able to end that story and give it a happy ending. Jansen gave much praise to the many people who supported him over his career and all those who cheered for him and wanted him to win. Jansen received the 1994 James E. Sullivan Award and was chosen to hold the US flag at the closing ceremony at the 1994 Winter Olympics. Now, he was inducted into the United United States Olympic Hall of Fame in 2004. Okay, so let's look at what Dan Jansen's doing today. So he's now 57 years of age. He has two daughters from his first marriage. And he is now married to Karen uh, Palacios, who, according to worldgolf.com, is a top golf professional. Mm. Now, Jansen is now a speed skating commentator for NBC. And NHL.com mentioned that from 2005 to 2007, he was the skating coach for the Chicago Blackhawks in the NHL. 
God, I'm too scared to go ice skating. Yeah. <laughs> I think I tried it once and just yeah. no idea. Yeah. Petrified. Yeah. Absolutely petrified. My mother, yeah. my mother, um, took the grandchildren up ice skating up at Coffs Harbour mm. and she fell over and broke her wrist. Oh, really? And um, so Dad was on the rest at the time. I went over and told them, he said, I'll oh, stop joking around. I said, I'm not, I'm serious. Yeah. I'll oh, stop it. So then he thought, oh, well, yeah, we'll drive up there just to go and pick her up. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we had a bet before we left on which wrist to be. Yeah. I said, oh, it'll be the right one because she's right-handed and Dad goes, oh, no, it'll be the left one. Mm. But, uh, but as we got close to the cops, he's going, no, I'm going to change your mind, it's the right one. I said, no, you can't do it. They've got an ice skating ring down there now, haven't they? Uh, yeah. I remember when in I was Port. there in 2009. In Port? No, at um, Coffs. Yeah, at, yeah. The, at the Big Banana. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. So Dad thought, oh, we would just um, pick her up and bring her mm. back. Yeah. But once she was in hospital, then we let it go. Yeah. <laughs> and because Dad hadn't packed any clothes and all that, we had nowhere to stay. Yeah. And I had to bring the grandkids back and he was left at this to find his own accommodation <laughs> and go and Buy clothes, but but the place that he got was ne- that was near the um, the Coffsharbour Hospital, the windmill in the management there were really good. Yeah, uh, when they found out what had happened, because apparently they get a lot of the people that were in the same situation, mm. and they went and yeah, because they had nothing. Yeah. We ju- we just drove up there and yeah. And they really helped him out. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and yeah. Give him a, giving them a good deal on the rate and, and that, knowing yeah. that she, she, he didn't know how long they were going to be. Yeah. But, of course, uh, Mum drove their brand-new car up, so I got to drive it back. Oh, okay. So I got, because, yeah, because I had the smaller car. Yeah. So I got the fang it. <laughs> the <laughs> brand-new car. <laughs> Gee, that's all right. Yeah. Well, I think we've got the only ice skating ring I can think of on the Gold Coast is one I, at Paradise Resort yeah. in Surface. I took Livy to a birthday party there when she was yeah. oh, and about, about five years of age. Yeah. And it's just a small one, yeah. a small ice skating ring. Yeah. And um, yeah, they hold on to these pelicans and they're <laughs> skating around. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't think of any on the, on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Oh. Because I know that, because yeah, Dad was in air conditioning mm. on, um, as his career, we lived in Sydney. Yeah. And when he just started his own business, they were just installing this new ice skating rink in Sydney. And they just couldn't get the freeze. Yeah. And, and he went, he went, and they had all other people come in to, you know, try and fix it. And um and Dad went in and Yeah, just went in and came fifteen minutes later. Yeah. And th- yeah, the in front of the eyes it started to freeze. <laughs> and they go, 
How do you do that with another guy? He's out here for hours on end. Yeah. It? But he never told him the, the, the secret. Cause, you know, because even, even when he was apprentice at Carriers, mm. you know, he was, you know, because he's such good at his craft that he got caught out to the, this other job that um, they were having trouble with. And the boss sent out... Sent out a, a senior guy to, to. He said, "Just go and watch Terry and see what he does, because he mm. managed to fix these problems with, without any any um, any yeah any trouble at all." So the, the senior guy went out with him, and and Dad, yeah, went and yeah he. He's, he, they, they got to the compressor and um, he sent the senior guy out to the truck yeah. to get something. And by the time the senior guy got back, it was the compressor was running. Oh. So then when he gets back to carriers where Dad was apprentice at, the senior guy went into the boss, and the boss said, "Did you find out what that little bastard did to fix it?" He said, "No, no, I still didn't say it because he tricked me and sent me out to get some tools that he didn't need anyway." <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah, it was a wasted trip. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it, it was like that. He just, he just had an actor. Yeah, yeah, to fix things. It was like when I was doing. I worked for um, a f- solar firm on on in Southbourne, the Gold Coast. Here, I was my desk was right next to the conference room. Yeah, I would hear them in there for a good hour, so talking about this new job. Then finally, there the general manager would come out and say, oh, Glenn, can you come and give us a hand with this one? And I'd walk and look at the board and go, you need to do this, this, and this, and they'd all look at me, you know, the walk out. <laughs> and there I could come out, how do you do it every time? <laughs> yeah, you fix a problem within a few minutes. Yeah. I said, well, I can hear you from the boardroom talking the way you're talking and going, in my own mind, that that's wrong. <laughs> uh, oh, jeez. Mm. Yeah, but even roller skating, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm petrified of that. But they're, they're closing down. I saw this thing on TV a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah there's not many roller skating rings around yeah. there. I think there's like one or two in Brisbane. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some that have been open for decades. Yeah. yeah just talking up, closing yeah. them down. Yeah. yeah. It's a shame. My sister's tried to teach me the roller skate. Mm. And they go, oh, well, yeah, we'll help you. One arm, you, you put one arm yeah. over, over um, each of us. Mm. You know, we'll get you to do this. They did it in bare feet. Yeah. I broke their toes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I went over their toes. <laughs> the they're standing there oh. and they're out. And yeah, all this pain. Well, um, oh, I remember Livy, she'd just nag me to get, yeah. get a roller skates. So I got her some oh. for a birthday once, and I think. Oh. And, um, oh, it's one of the worst things I ever did. Because, yeah. yeah, not long after she started using it, she slipped over and yeah. broke her 
you know, broke a wrist and, yeah. oh, God, it was countless trips up to the hospital and yeah. MRIs, X-rays, CAT scans, yeah. days off work. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Her arm was in a cast for about six to eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never. Never again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Jensen's, yeah, so he's a speed skating commentator. Yeah, and he did some coaching for the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, he established his own foundation in memory of his sister Jane with the purpose of fighting leukaemia. And he's an honorary board member of the Mitable Myeloma Research Foundation. Now, the Dan Jansen Foundation also contributes to youth sports programs as well. Now, he has an annual charity golf event which helps, helps families affected by cancer. And according to sportsjrank.org, Jansen is also a motivational speaker. Yeah, so, gosh, it'd be great to listen to, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah certainly, uh, you know, very interesting career. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and there was a made-for-TV movie called A Brother's Promise. The Dan Jansen story, which aired in 1996. Now, he's also involved in the Paralympics and lives in Mooresville, South Carolina. Now, Dan Jansen's journey to gold spanned four Olympics. There was much heartache and many disappointments. However, he never gave up. His perseverance paid off. He finally found victory and is an inspiration. That's a story of Dan Jansen. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we'll look at some other sports people teams now. We've got the monkey off their back. I should have got a monkey there at home. Yeah, yeah. you put it. Yeah, it makes it's an orangutan actually. Makes uh, all sorts of noise. Uh, right, so the, the, I don't know if you've seen that ventriloquist um Nina Const Constant or something like that. Yeah, she has a monkey as as um one of her. Oh, yep. Yep, yeah, puppets that she uses. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is one of those puppets. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's quite. It's, <laughs> it's quite. <laughs> it's quite funny, but she was also she was also did the um. Melbourne Comedy Festival. Oh, yeah. They use a part of UNICEF. Um, um, Yeah, to raise money for UNICEF. Mm. Anyway, Paul McDamp was on there after after Nina. And, yeah, Paul walks onto the stage and goes, well, I came in to do four minutes of... um, (laughs) um, of you know, material and the producer said, "Oh no, you can't do that because it's too offensive." But there's other comedians that have been on there, yeah, sons and some pretty crude stuff. And Paul <laughs> goes, "And I'm the offensive one." <laughs> it's yeah. Incredibly clever what they do. What, what's the name of that that guy? He's a ventriloquist. Yeah, he's an American guy. But he's lived in Australia for years. Yeah. Oh, what's his name? Yeah, <laughs> he's brilliant. Yeah, Dave. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, I think I've seen him. But the, the, there's another one that I follow called um, Oh Jeff Jeff Dunham. 
Yeah. He's oh. really, I, I like him because he, he's got, yeah, a grumpy old man. And, yeah. And, um, and like uh, uh, this guy that's got one tooth, a big beard, got a real NASCAR fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and he's got, you know, he's got a, a, a suicide bomber. Yeah. That's a skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also got this other character that's um, from, from some my my country called Peanut, and he's my favourite because he just does him so well. But 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 yeah, because with some philanthropist, you can um sort of when they use the different characters, you can hear the slight voice. Yeah. Of the other ones in there, but with Jeff Dunham, no, nah. you wouldn't know. No, nah, yeah. yeah, they're just completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but the just expression yeah. of both of them, uh, yeah, like with, with <coughs> Peanut <laughs> and Jeff, it just just so well done, <laughs> and it, it's been doing this, yeah, it's like since. Uh, Year seven, yeah, and he take the dummy to school and even get this school photos. Oh, dummy really? With the dummy, <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, when he left school and helped him um, get through university, he would travel and do commercials. Yeah, like this, this. This cast, be a great skill to have, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was, that was, that's like um, Michael Winslow. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, that can do yeah, it's funny when, when his machine stuff. gun noises yeah, and uh, yeah. was it Police Academy? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think over 10,000 mm. uh, sounds you can do. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> telling the story that when he first started, he, <laughs> he was working at this town yeah, about three towns away anyway yeah working at night he'd leave there he'd leave to go to work and it was already dark and he'd come over to take two in the morning for this town yeah. and he had this PA speaker in the front, in the front of his car and he'd stop and make train train noises yeah. like a train train <laughs> So he used to do this because he would come home, you know, through that town at the same time. Mm. So he'd stop and do the same thing. A few weeks later, he he, he went through that town during, during during the day, and there'd be a rumor had had um <laughs> came throughout the town that there was a go, that there used to be a train track. Yeah. They go through there and there's people out the front digging up the front lawns yeah. trying to find this train track. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was younger, I had the same thing with my CB. Mm. I also had um, <laughs> also had a power speaker in the front of the car, which I used to turn on so I could, yeah, good looking. Girl walk past to say something, or we made to say something. Anyway, we um we were out. Yeah, once like Friday night came home three o'clock, dropped. I mean, dropped Andrew off at about three o'clock Saturday morning, mm. 
And, you know, you do not wake Andrew's father for anything unless it's really important. Yeah. <laughs> so we drop, you know, Andrew off and he, he, he slowly <laughs> walks inside. <laughs> um, yeah, he gets inside and we've turned around and started heading down the other side of the road. My mate Timothy gets on the mic and says, Good night, Andrew. Turns pair right up. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew says, Yeah, because that woke, woke his father up. But Andrew didn't get in trouble. Yeah. So yeah, we totally forgot about and went around there a few weeks later for a barbecue. <laughs> Me and Timsey, yeah, I parked out the front. We just slowly came to walk in, you know, around the back of the house. And there's Ken, um, Andrew's father, mm. standing there going, I want to have a talk to you too. <laughs> and we just looked up at each other and just bolted. Wasn't impressed. Because <laughs> we knew that, oh yeah. shit, we woke him up. <laughs> Oh, God, it's like my dad. Oh, God, you didn't stir the beast all yeah. my life. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway. No, there was a guy, he was called the Phantom Siren, and yeah. this was in the NRL. Yeah. And he, he was really good at making a siren noise, you know. Yeah. And it was just sound as exactly like the normal siren, you know, for half time and full time. Yeah. And there was one game that was down in... Um, I think St. George Illawarra were playing someone down. I know it was in Wollongong, you know. And yeah, and he's, you know, done the siren yeah. <laughs> just before half time. <laughs> there's a scrum packed and the referee's gone, blowing his whistle and the players are walking off the ground. And, <laughs> and then they found out it was this guy and he was just a menace, you know, going to all these different games every week. <laughs> Doing his bloody phantom siring and <laughs> oh, just a pest. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, yeah. He may, might have been banned from all the Probably. games. Yeah. Anyway, we'll look at some teams now. He got the monkey off their back. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Collingwood at the 1990 VFL Premiership. Yeah, this is. Just before it became the AFL. Now, between 1958 and 1990, the Magpies reached nine VFL AFL grand finals for eight losses and a draw, which appeared in 19, which happened in 1977. Now, this period of time was known as the Collie Wobbles. <laughs> yeah, they're very interesting supporters, Collingwood supporters. Aren't they? <laughs> The Magpies have played in a record 44 VFL-AFL Grand Finals, winning 15, drawing 2 and losing 27. And they are regarded as one of Australia's most popular sports clubs with massive attendances at their games. Now, they finally got the monkey off their back in 1990 when coached by Lee Matthews and captain by Tony Shaw, they defeated Essendon. Yeah, by 48 points, ending their 32-year premiership drought. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the 32 years, that's all right. Yeah. Oh, Parramatta have been waiting a lot longer than that. Yeah, long time yeah. between drinks. <laughs> oh, they had a good win last night yeah. over Penrith. Yeah. But Penrith had some of their good players out. Yeah. Nathan Cleary got sent off, one of the worst. Oh, he picked up a Parramatta player 
speared him into the ground like he was a native spear. Got yeah. sent off. Yeah. So, yeah, that's um, could put their premiership in aspirations in doubt now. Yeah. Now, the Sydney Swans at the 2005 AFL Premiership. Now, the Sydney club began the VFA in way back in 1878. Yeah, that's South Melbourne, because it was called the VFA back in those days. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long time ago, yeah. late 1800s. Yeah. They were known as the Bloods due to the red colour on their jerseys. Uh. Now, they won premierships in 1909, 1918 and 1933. Now, in 1982, it became the first professional Australian football club to relocate interstate when they relocated from Melbourne to Sydney and became the Sydney Swans. Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, Geoffrey Edelston, he... Yeah. he Took over, took over the ownership. Yeah. And, yeah. So the Swans finally ended their premiership drought in 2005 when they defeated the West Coast Eagles in a thriller by four points to win their first title in 72 years, yeah. the longest of any team in the competition. Now, the Chicago Cubs in 2016. We've spoken about this one a few times, but it's just yeah, <laughs> such a fascinating story. Now, the famous Major League Baseball team have played an 11 World Series and won back-to-back World Series championships in 1907 and 1908. Uh Now, they had to wait a further 108 years to break their World Series drought. Uh Now, according to MLB Advanced Media, the 108-year drought was the longest championship drought in all major North American sports. I think it's in the world, actually. Yeah. yeah. Now, they've had multiple opportunities to win World Series over the years and have often had the best side with the best players. Yeah. Now, after the curse of the Billy Goat in 1945... <laughs> <laughs> so what happened there? <laughs> this um, across the road from the stadium there where yeah. the Chicago Cubs played, there's a, a tavern and it was owned by this guy called... Uh, William Sienis, and he called. Yeah, it was called the Billy Goat Tavern. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he had this pet Billy Goat, yeah. and it was called Wrigley. You know, because yeah. the field was called Wrigley Field. It still yeah. is today. And he, he was kicked out of the game because he brought his Billy Goat into the ground in yeah. Game Five. Yeah. Yeah. This was. Um, you know, and when he's leaving the ground, he's you know, oh, you're never going to win another World Series. No. Uh, Never ever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it took him a long time. <laughs> yeah. In 1969 at Shea Stadium against the New York Mets, they blew a 10 run lead, then lost the series. 1970, Sienis tried to take a different goat into the stadium to break the curse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that didn't work because I think he, he died that year too. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1984, they lost to the Padres, 3-0. That was in a best-of-five series back then. And in 1986, Bill Buckner. We spoke about him last week in the scapegoat episode. Now, he played for the Cubs. There was the ball between your legs, and there was the belief the curse of the Billy Goat travelled to other clubs. Mm. Yeah, so as reported in... The Professor and the Barney podcast in 1989, the Cubs won a 93-game season 
then lost the National League Championship Series after leading the series 3-0. Well, they play over 100 games a season yeah. in the baseball. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, they play, like, every day. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in 1998, they had the great Sammy Sosa. They lost to the Atlanta Braves, though. And then they had the Bartman incident, the good old Steve Bartman in 2003, when it appeared they would finally end their drought and not winning a playoff game for the next 11 seasons. Uh. Now, in 2015, again, they lost the National League series because they've got to win their series, you know, in their league. So I think there's two leagues. Uh. And then from there, they, you know, if they win that, they go into the World Series to play the other conference. Uh. Yeah, it's like the Super Bowl, you know. Uh. Yeah, so after a 100-game win season, they finally broke the curse in 2016, winning the pennant on close to day, well, it was close to the day of the 46th anniversary of Sienis' death. Now, they beat the Cleveland Indians in the World Series to end at the 108-year drought. Uh. They won, won game seven, eight runs to seven, after 3-0, in the series, they were down, yeah, three nil in the series, and they levelled it up at three all. And the curse was to do with the National League pennant, actually. Yeah, yeah, because that's the where they w- got to win their conference. Uh, yeah, so that's so they win the pennant. You yeah, know? and then from there, they play in the World Series. Yeah. So yeah, they'd failed to do that since 1945. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about the French. Now, we spoke about a few weeks ago, the French uh, 1998 World Cup soccer team, football team. Now, they're the reigning world champions. They participated in the inaugural World Cup in 1930. They finished third in the 1958 World Cup, won the UEFA Euro in 1984, the UEFA Cup of Nations in 1985. They reached the World Cup semi-finals in 1982 and 1986. Yeah, but France, they just couldn't <laughs> couldn't get it together, you know, and win a World Cup. Yeah. yeah. Now, despite producing many great players, such as uh, Mikhail Platini, the Le Bleus, that's their nickname, finally broke through to win their first World Cup on home soil in 1998. Yeah. They defeated Brazil 3-0 yeah. in Paris. They won the UEFA Euro 2000 and the FIFA Confederations Cup in 2001 and 2003. Now, another country that seemed to be cursed in World Cups was Spain, probably much more so than France. Yeah. Now, now this we're talking in reference here to the 2010 World Cup. Now, Spain have participated in 16 of the 22 World Cups, They've won three continental titles and have appeared in 11 of the 16 UEFA European Championships. So, yeah, they're, they're a regular, you know, one of the most present teams in World Cups and Euro Championships. Yeah. Now, despite their regular presence in World Cups, their very strong national league called the uh, La, La Liga, it's considered by many the best competition in the world, even, even tougher than the EPL. Now, Spain were for many years seen as the perennial underachievers, especially in World Cups. However, leading up to the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, uh, Spain were the European champions and they'd won a record 35 games between 2007 and 2009. They were undefeated. 
Now, Spain lost their first game, 1-0 against Switzerland. So, you know, it's like, oh, here we go again. However, then went on to win the remaining two games in their group and scraped into the second round. They then defeated Portugal and then Paraguay and then Germany, 1-0 in the semi-finals to qualify for their first final. Now, in the final against the Netherlands, a goal in extra time by Andres... Uh, Iniesta. Uh, I think that was your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, is that bothering me? Uh, uh, gave Spain victory, and they had finally broken through to win their first FIFA World Cup. Uh, right, we'll talk about some individuals now. You got the monkey off their back. So Steve <laughs> Young. <laughs> Steve Young. Now, he's a former American football quarterback in the NFL, and he played 15 seasons, mainly for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, he also played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, he was an excellent passer. He led the league in passer ratings a record six times. Now, (laughs) the reason I've got him, like, I've put it on... um, our Facebook page. <laughs> There's a, a YouTube clip where, um, yeah, he says, you know, he's on the sideline because it looks like they're going to win the Super Bowl finally. Yeah. And uh, he's there saying, oh, he's yelling out, someone take the monkey off my back, please, <laughs> to his teammates. And one of his teammates jumps on his back. <laughs> <laughs> now, his predecessor, Joe Montana, won four premierships. And, yeah, he won the Super Bowl in 1995 with the 49ers. Right, now, now Simone Halep, she's a Romanian tennis player who was ranked number one women's player from 2017 to 2019. And this was for a total of 64 weeks, so for over a year. Mm -hmm. Now, from 2014 to 2021, Halep was ranked in the top 10 for 373 Uh. consecutive weeks. Uh, now, each year she finished in the top four. Now, despite this, she was unable to win a Grand Slam singles final until she broke through and won the 2018 French Open. And then the following year, she won, the tw- she won Wimbledon in 2019. Now, she's reached three Grand Slam finals, the 2014 French, uh, the 2017 French, the 2018 Australian. That's when she was beaten by Caroline Wozniacki. Yeah. And she also finished runner-up in the 2014 WTA Finals to Serena Williams, despite thrashing Williams in the round-robin stage, mm. and was unable to defeat Williams again until 2019. Now, uh, Minji Lee. Now, the Aussie female professional golfer was the number one amateur in the world in 2014 and turned professional in 2015, going on to gain immediate success, winning the Kingsmill Championship on the LPGA Tour. Now, Lee finished 2018 ranked second on the LPGA money list, and with over $1.5 million in earnings, and she finished second in scoring average. Yeah, so she's done very well this year. We've spoken about her a few times. Yeah, Yeah, she's been in our winners list. Quite often. Now, she won her fifth LPGA Tour in 2019 and was ranked number two in the world rankings. 
However, in her home country, she had a low profile and was described by the Age newspaper as the invisible champion of Australia. She finally broke through to win her first major championship in 2021, winning the Amundi Evian Championship by coming from seven strokes behind in the final round to gain victory. That's a long way behind. Jeez, bless my soul. Now, she won the US Open this year, claiming her second major title and her eighth LPGA Tour win. She's picked up $1.8 million. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to talk about another golfer here. Now, he's one of the real nice guys at golf. Now, Marco Mira. Now, he's an he's a, he's American professional golfer. He won many tournaments on the PGA Tour and around the world from the mid-1980s to the late 1990s. Now, he spent nearly 200 weeks in the top 10. God, how many years is that? So that's... 200 That's weeks. about... Four years, is it? Yeah. Mm, 52, what, 52, 52 weeks, weeks in a year? year. Yeah. yeah. So they spent nearly 200 weeks in the top 10 in the official world golf rankings from yeah. 1986 to 2000. Now, he's a good long-term friend of Tiger Woods and lives in the same neighbourhood in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, I stayed, I went to Orlando, Florida once. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and O'Meara won 16 tournaments on the PGA Tour. However, at 41 years of age, he was still yet to win a major. This all changed at the 1998 Masters when he sank a great putt on the 18th hole to win the Masters after his 15th attempt. And it made it even more special because his good mate Tiger Woods presented him with the green jacket. Yeah. See, what happens, the, whoever won the previous year in the uh, Masters, they, 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 give, they present uh, the current champion with the green jacket. Yeah. yeah. So what if you win it twice in a row? Do you present it to yourself? Oh, you just keep it on. <laughs> yeah. You don't That's happened a few times, yeah, Tiger Woods. Mm. and You don't get another one? No, I don't think so. Yeah? Yeah. That's a good question, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know Tiger Woods won it in 2001, 2002. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, um, oh, I think Phil Mickelson, he might have won it twice in a row. Yeah. No, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. Have to, yeah, whether, the, you know, if they win it consecutively, whether. Yeah. Yeah, Nick Faldo, I'm pretty sure he was another one who won the Masters two years in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe they do it themselves. They take it off, <laughs> get the new one. <laughs> or they've got it underneath it, maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of that um, Happy Gilmore. Mm. Yeah, when that shit of Megala, yeah, for yeah, pincer jacket. Yeah. And the, the guy that played yours in the Bond movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and grabs the jacket up out of him and his belt, belt to live and die. And he gets the club and uh, splits it in two. And, yeah. uh, that's a funny movie. Yeah. yeah. But see, when they used to have the Australian Masters, it was called the Gold Jacket. Yeah. Yeah. 
And yeah, so then he went on later that year to win the British Open and then went on to win the 1998 Cisco Match Play Championships <laughs> and finished the year second on the official world rankings. So it's like, you know, it's once they get that victory, it's like just a huge um, yeah. relief, isn't it? Yeah. Just a huge burden off their back. Yeah. yeah, and they can just relax and, and then they... You know, a lot what happens a lot of times with these athletes, they go on and, you know, before he won two majors that year, won yeah. the world match play. Yeah. yeah. Right, now this guy, I'd never heard of him. Now his name is Oscar now, Fig, Figueroa. Now he's a Colombian weightlifter who competed in the 62-kilogram category and then the 67-kilograms. Yeah, so we spoke about another Colombian last week, didn't we? Yeah. Andres Escobar. Yeah. But this guy, at the 2004 Olympics, he finished fifth in the snatch and the clean and jerk. And at the 2008 Beijing Olympics, uh, Fig- Figueroa failed to make a lift in the snatch category and was unable to lift the bar off the floor in all three attempts. Yeah, so you know the difference between the snatch and the clean and jerk? <laughs> yeah, so snatches when they got to lift it from the floor and uh, in one motion lift it above their head. Yeah. The clean and jerks, um, they got to lift it up, hold it on their shoulders, and then push uh, up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some weightlifting live at the Sydney Olympics and last yeah. Commonwealth Games. Good to watch. Yeah. yeah. I like watching the, the, the wife carrying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the super heavyweights are the best to watch with the weightlifting. Because yeah. they're lifting it and the, they've yeah. got so much weight in the bar, it's like going boing, boing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They got, a lot of them have got these big guts and yeah. gosh, they must eat. They're big. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Now, yeah, so with our Colombian friend here. Now, at the 2008 Beijing Olympics, he failed to make a lift in the snatch category and was unable to lift the bar off the floor in all three attempts. Now, it was then discovered that he had a cervical 6-7 cervical hernia, which, according to the Associated Press, weakened his right hand. That wouldn't be helping him. Now, at the 2012 London Olympics, he returned from his injury and he had more success and picked up a silver medal this time after setting an Olympic record lift of 177 kilograms. Yeah. You've got to remember, he's only a little bloke. Yeah. Uh, and Colombia's not, Colombia's not noted for its weightlifters, you know. Yeah. yeah, like it's the top weightlifting nations, uh, you know, the um, like the Balkan nations and yeah. Russia and, you know, countries like, uh, well, you know, a lot of it used to be Yugoslavia and Bulgaria. Yeah. Yeah, those sort of countries, you know. Yeah. yeah, so his total of 317 kilograms, though, was not enough to win gold. Now, early in 2016, he had surgery to repair his chronic back pain caused by his lumbar hernia and then returned to the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro to go on and win gold in his fourth Olympics with a total of 318 kilograms. Yeah, right. Here's another one that yeah I came across. I hadn't heard of it before, but we got another Winter Olympian, Katerina 
New Manova. Yeah. Uh, no, her, Glenn? Uh, yeah, I think I dated them. <laughs> <laughs> so she's a retired Czech cross country skier who competed uh, at six Olympic Games. Yeah. Now she also appeared in both Summer and Winter Olympics, having participated in mountain biking uh, at the 1996 Olympics. Uh, now at her first Olympics in 1992, in the five kilometre cross country, she finished 13th. The 15 kilometres, she finished 14th. Yeah. And in the pursuit, she finished 22nd. Yeah. Now, in her next Olympics in 1994, she finished 8th, then 14th and 6th. Now, this cross country skiing, I saw a study done once, yeah. and apparently it uses up the most calories out of all sports. Because yeah. you're using all your body. Yeah. <laughs> Big levers, you know. Yeah, but also the cold weather would be... Oh, exactly. ...helping burning up. And in those suits. Yeah. yeah. Now, the, in the 1998 Olympics, she picked up a silver medal in the five kilometres and a bronze in the pursuit. Now, in 2002, at the Winter Olympics, she picked up a silver in the 15 kilometres and a silver in the pursuit. Um, now, she came 13th in the sprint... And at the 2006 Winter Olympics, she finished fifth in the 10 kilometres. So they've got all these different events. So that must be just bucket at the end of it all. Yeah. They've got like four or five events they go in. Yeah. Yeah. And she got a silver in the pursuit. And then finally, in a, what, six Olympic Games, she picked up a gold in the 30 kilometre event. <laughs> One she had not competed in before. Yeah. She became the oldest winner in the event. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Now, this bloke, Nick Skelton. Now, he's a former British equestrian who competed in the show jumping. Now, he began riding when he was only 18 months of age. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a little pony, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Now, he won three golds. Uh, three silver and three bronze medals at the European Show Jumping Championships over yeah. a 26-year period. Yeah. And at 54 years of age, Skelton finally won an Olympic gold medal as mm. part of the Great Britain team yeah. at the 2016 Rio Olympics. Yeah. Now, Skelton won the individual Olympic gold medal at his seventh Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Now, here's someone who all of us Aussies know, Kathy Freeman. Now, the former Aussie sprinter who specialised in the 400 metres competed at her first Olympics in Barcelona in 1992. And then at the 1994 Commonwealth Games in Victoria, Canada, she became a household name, winning both the 200 and the 400 metres gold. Yeah. I first remember at the 1990 Auckland Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Like she was only 16, but she was part of this the relay team, yeah. 4 by 100 relay. Yeah. yeah, she was just a kid then. Yeah. Now, she was one of the favourites to win gold at the 1995 World Championships in the 400 metres, however, finished fourth. And then she picked up a silver medal behind France's Marie-Jose Perec, at the 1996 Olympics. Yeah, we spoke about her a few weeks ago. Mm. Now, she was gold medalist at the World Championships in Greece in 1997. So yeah. she's finally broken through yeah. on the world stage to get a gold. And again, she was a gold medalist at the 1999 World Championships. 
Now, going into the 2000 Sydney Olympics at a home Olympic Games, and after lighting the cauldron at the opening ceremony, Freeman had the weight of Australia on her shoulders going into the 400 metres final. And she went on to win gold. And I remember famous Aussie sprinter Raylene Boyle, she said, Uh, what a relief. (laughs) When Freeman after the race, because she was wearing that, remember that, she wore that that jacket? It was like a suit, space suit. And... Uh. um, yeah, when she took the hoodie off and... Oh, the bo- yeah, the bodysuit. <laughs> yeah, the bodysuit, that's the uh, one, yeah. Now, speaking about this bloke, Ivan Lendl, the former Czech-American tennis great and one of the greatest players of all time. Now, he was ranked world number one in singles for just over five years and he won 94 singles titles. Yeah. Now, this included eight Grand Slam singles titles and he contested eight consecutive US Open finals. And he also won seven year-end championships. However, Lendl took a while to win his first Grand Slam. It was the 1984 French Open when he came from two sets down against John McEnroe to win. Now, despite having success in in the early 80s, winning the 1981 season, ending Masters Grand Prix title, he won 15 out of 23 singles titles in 1982. And having a 44-match winning streak... Having the edge over John McEnroe, defeating him in two big finals. One was the Masters Grand Prix final. And he also became the highest earning tennis player of all time. So even though he had all that, he still took him a while to win his first Grand Slam. Uh-oh. Now he was runner-up in four Grand Slam singles finals before he went on to finally break through and win. Now, Steve Wall. Now the Aussie cricket great and former test captain. Now, he played 168 test matches between 1985 and 2004, and he scored over 10,000 test runs, averaging 51.06. So, and all up, he scored 32 test hundreds and 50 half centuries. So, yeah. one of our all-time greats. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, early on his career, his batting average wasn't all that good, you know, for the first uh, yeah. four years or so. Now, it took him four years to finally score his first Test 100. Now, according to ESPN Crick Info, going into the 1989 Ashes series, Wall's batting average was only 30.52 from 26 Test matches. Uh, He did did a lot more bowling back in those days. Yeah. But, yeah, he's, you know, didn't quite live live up to expectations with the bat. Uh Yeah. At that stage. Now, in the first test match at Leeds, War hit a memorable 177 not out and followed, followed it up in the second test at Lords, where he scored another brilliant 100. And he was an integral member of the Aussies, Aussie cricket's great triumph, 4-0 win, to regain the Ashes on English soil. Yeah. Yeah. And Adam Scott, the Aussie golfer. Now he's won 31 professional tournaments in his career around the world. Now he turned professional in 2000 and had some significant wins. Yeah, um, which included the 2004 Players Championship, the 2011 WGC Bridgestone Invitational. Now he was in and out of the world top 10 in the official rankings. However, Scott just he couldn't quite nail it in the majors, going very cut close several times, being runner-up in the 2011 Masters, 
third in the 2006 USPGA. And at the 2012 British Open, he had a four-shot lead with four holes to play. However, bogeyed the last four holes and finished runner-up to Ernie Els. Uh-oh. However, he, he put it behind him, and not long after that, the 2013 Masters, Scott finally got the monkey off his back and won his first major, yeah. winning the Masters in a playoff with Argentine Angel Cabrera. Mm. He became the first Aussie to finally break the hoodoo and win a Masters title and green jacket. And he's yeah. the only Aussie to ever win that yeah. prestigious title. Now, the Western Bulldogs in 2016. Oh, gosh. This broke my heart. Anyway, Uh-oh. they broke through to end a 62-year premiership drought, winning the AFL title. Uh-oh. Now, they used to be called the Footscray Bulldogs. They Uh-oh. changed that name about 20 years ago, you know. Uh-oh. Yeah, so they scraped into the finals. Now, this was the first year with the AFL where at the end of the normal seasons they'd have a, a week's break. Yeah. Yeah, so this uh, really helped them out. Because yeah. you know, they, they benefited greatly from this week off, you know, so they could rest and yeah. it was still great performance because they yeah. lost, the, you know, some of their best players that season through injury. Mm. Now, before the final series, so they had that week off before the final series began, so they refreshed. Then they defeated the West Coast Eagles in Perth in the first week then stormed home to defeat the defending premiers Hawthorne. Mm. Hawthorne had won the previous three AFL titles. Yeah, so yeah, that was yeah. a massive win. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were sort of, yeah, they won. Yeah, last time they won the premiership, they won it twice in a row. Yeah, and then the, then the monkey jumped on their back and they got the one spoon. Yeah, twice in a row. <laughs> yeah, well, it can go the other way, can't it? Yeah. yeah. Then they defeated the GWS Giants and a nail-biter in Sydney. Oh, I remember that game because I went yeah. to this um, singles ball <laughs> down uh, at Burley Bowls. Yeah. And I went there. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> They're all, like, in their 70s. And <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, get me out of here, get me out of here. <laughs> so I spent the whole night. <laughs> watching this AFL game because yeah. I was going for the Giants. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> I snuck out of there after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I heard that Western Australia's going to get the second AFL team. Oh, NRL? No. Oh, AFL? Yeah. Oh, they've got uh, West Coast Eagles and the Fremantle Dockers at well, the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could have been NRL, but I don't know. Yeah, no, they might put another team. They're talking about putting a team in Tasmania. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the AFL, yeah. which they should have had years ago, yeah. you know. They need to have a team there, more than one on the Gold Coast. Yeah. 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 Now, there was a dog for a day in Melbourne. Yeah, they had this thing, you know, where all the supporters from other clubs, um, you know, would get behind Footscray because they're playing the... Yeah, the, the arch enemy up, up north in Sydney. Yeah. So they wanted Sydney to lose. And yeah. yeah, the Bulldogs went on to defeat Sydney Swans in the grand final by 22 points. I'll put 22 years. A long game. Yeah, and I was spewing because yeah. I was a Swans fan. Anyway. Yeah. 
Rightio. So we'll give our answer now. Time to reveal this week's Who Am I? And the answer is Hisham El Garouge. I was going to let you read that because I thought... Yeah, he's a tricky one. Yeah. And now for your top five for there. Okay, so fifth place, I've got a tie between Dan Jensen and Nick Skelton. Fourth place, I've got the Boston Red Sox. Third place, I've got Hishamel Garouge. Now, I've got him in there because he was such a brilliant runner. Yeah. And, yeah, it, you know, took him, what, his third Olympics to finally break through. Yeah. You know, he was just so... So brilliant and, yeah. yeah, just had bad luck, you know. Yeah. Anything can happen in those finals. Yeah. Yeah, so it was great to see him break through and win. And second place, Katerina Numanova. Because yeah. <laughs> if anyone can go in all those events in cross-country skiing, they've got to be in the top five. Yeah. And in top spot, <laughs> Chicago Cubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 108 years. Yeah. You can't beat that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, next episode. So, uh, Mr. Glenn's got his birthday next week. Yeah. So, we'll get the cake out again like we did last year. Light the candles. I think the fire would go on stand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm we're going to... I might have had to apply for permit this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think try not to set the alarms off. <laughs> anyway. You might have to have an episode outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so next week's episode's going to be on great sporting birthday performances. Yeah. Yeah, now we're going to talk about a, a Aussie cricketer who had a wonderful birthday, um, but he's a vegan, well-known vegan. Yeah. And Mr. Glenn here's a vegan too. No, the vegan. You've changed. No, I'm vegetarian. Oh, vegetarian, same thing, isn't it? No, 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 vegans, not anything. They won't eat eggs or cheese or anything. Yeah, oh, okay. A vegan is purely vegetables. They won't have mm. anything to do with... With um, anything that come, any product that comes from a, an animal. Oh, right, that's a difference. Okay. Yeah, but it's sort of it's like even though I'm mainly vegetarian, if I go somewhere out to dinner or with some place, yeah, with someone's for, for dinner, and they serve up chicken or whatever, I will I'll, I'll still eat it. Yeah. In respect for the for the chicken and the had its life taken right to feed me. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I won't go. Oh, but I'm a vegetarian. Mm. Yeah, you know, okay. Yeah, it's there. I will eat it. So yeah, you know, I'm not chucking. I'm not wasting animal food. Yeah, in the bin just to make a point. And it can be really hard to when you go out to try and stick to a diet. Yeah, yeah I yeah. can relate to that. Yeah, because mm. even even in the supermarkets now. Yeah. One week they'll have plenty of vegetarian stuff and the next week they'll have bugger all. Yeah, you're stuffed, yeah. But that, that, that's like during the week I ordered Uber Eats mm. and the guy brought me the complete wrong order. Oh, I no, really? Up, I ended up at KFC. 
But I was that hungry, I ate. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I contacted them and um, they sent me a voucher, a code to use for a voucher. So I got some, my son came down the next day, so I got some two pizzas from Christ and they cost me $14. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, but I certainly um, mm. waste animal meat if it's. Yeah, you know, given to me. Yeah, yeah, you know, because in respect of the animal. No, that's fair enough. But I won't go and yeah you know, buy, mm. buy you know, buy it regularly. Mm. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we'll talk a bit more about that next week and yeah. why Glenn became decided to become a vegetarian. Yeah. 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 Okay. Rightio, so thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sports Shack. So it's a goodbye from Paul. It's a goodbye from me. Goodbye. G'day, it's me again. Please check out the Sporting Shack on Facebook if you like this, for posts and other likes and shares. Have a great sporting week. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. Until next time.